2: You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
0: Hello and welcome to another Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, your host here, Colt Molesky, Trey Flynn, bring you daily Timberwolves content. And today we have a special guest from ABC5 KSTP, Darren Wolfson, is here to bring in his expertise on the Timberwolves. Darren, thank you so much for joining the show. You got it,
1: Colton. Hello, Trey. I don't know about special, but I'm happy that you guys are willing to have me on.
0: (laughs) Of course, of course. And Trey is here over the line as well. Gentlemen, we have plenty to talk about, and there's so little time, so let's jump right into it. The first thing that we wanted to get your take on, Darren, was the Timberwolves situation. Obviously, there's been a lot going on as far as coaching And we would just like to get, first of all, how surprised were you? Did this catch you off guard, the Tibbs firing? And what have you made of it since? What do you think of Ryan Saunders? And what do you think of the kind of coaching rumors that are swirling around this team right now?
1: Sure, Colton. Yeah, a few layers there. How about I go with the former, then the latter? I mean, on the surprise factor, mildly surprised. I mean, you know, when I I got the text on on Sunday night, you know, I'm locking in on Bears-Eagles. I'm thinking, I finally have a Sunday off with all my Vikings work. I (laughs) finally have a Sunday off for the first time in four months. Then all heck breaks loose. So, yeah, I mean, the timing, especially coming off a 20-something point win over the Lakers, I didn't necessarily see it coming on Sunday night, but the idea that, that it happened, the fact that it happened, I mean, not all that surprising. I mean, I thought it would happen in April, but but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it was, it was darn near inevitable. And, you know, when a decision like that happens, you know, it's all-encompassing. It wasn't just, you know, the fact that they were, you know, hovering around 500 or right below 500. You know, it wasn't just, you know, on the court. I mean, there, there was a business aspect to this as well. You know, when you think about CEO Ethan Katz and others, now Ethan is is a collaborative sort of guy. I mean, he's not a dictator by any stretch. You know, so I think Ethan heard from others below him on the business side that there was just this disconnect between Tibbs and the business side. You know, and I think there needs to be a relationship, especially when you're the president of operations and the head coach. You better have a good working relationship with the business side. And, I mean, for the most part, that relationship was pretty non-existent. You know, then you think about the owner, Glenn Taylor. I mean, Glenn, over the years, values a really close relationship with his coach. Even with Rick Adelman. They were pretty close, you know. But then you think about Flip and some others. He just never had that. I mean, him and Tips corresponded, texted, talked regularly, but it was always basketball. It was always serious basketball stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, Glenn likes to likes to connect with somebody on a personal level. You know, how's life? Things like that. You know, Glenn never had that relationship with Tom. Then you think about Mm -hmm. Glenn's wife, Becky. You know, and Becky sitting there courtside, you know, watching Tom coach during games and screaming and some of the expletives. You know, yeah. Becky didn't like that. You know, then you think about the Jimmy Butler fiasco. You know, when did Tom know? You know, now Glenn claims Tom told him for the first time after that meeting in September in Los Angeles, but there were signs. I mean, I think we're getting into semantics, but Tom should have known that Jimmy wanted out late April. They lose game 5 to Houston. Jimmy doesn't fly back with the team. I reported that on my podcast in early May. Jimmy doesn't fly back with the team. He goes to L.A. He then doesn't undergo a season-ending physical. There were so many signs there. And you think about, hey, the trade worked out, I think. Selfishly, I still would prefer Josh Richardson over what they got. But the trade worked out fine. But I'm just thinking they could have gotten more if they had made the trade around the draft. You know, but... Tom's claiming that he didn't really know that Jimmy wanted out, you know, but but did Tom really know? And Tom is lying, and Tom lied to Glenn. You know, so I think Glenn thought about that. You know, just, you know, did Tom lie to me? Did he not lie to me about when Jimmy wanted out? You know, and then, you know, just all the other things, you know, just uh, I guess, you know, a little bit more on, on court, you know, just, you know, Tom came in with this, you know, reputation as, as a really good defensive coach. Well, you know, outside of you know, an eight to ten game stretch each season. They really haven't played much defense. <laughs> you know, so I think there's some things to quantify on the court as well. So I think when you when you combine all those factors, you know, it, it it made sense. You know, but I'm just telling you, on on Sunday night, I did not necessarily see it coming. On Ryan, you know, I think Ryan has a chance to earn the job. But you know, keep in mind, I mean, I, I think even being a number one assistant you know, duties are different than if you're a number two or number three assistant. Ryan mm-hmm. never even been a number one assistant. You know, the other night in Oklahoma City was fantastic. The schedule sets up relatively, you know, favorably here moving forward with Dallas and New Orleans. You know, so I mean he could win his first three games. Yeah, but let's see how it how it plays out. I mean, I was talking with Cole Aldrich. I spent some time with Cole Aldrich the other day he's back in town rehabbing a knee injury that he suffered in China so I was with Cole the other day you know Cole made the point that you know we see it all the time you know coaching changes happen and teams play really well for like a week can you sustain that energy level that success over a longer period now Cole actually thinks Ryan will you know that the players love Ryan you know that that Cole thinks it'll happen but you know Cole also said, hey, I'll admit that, that there's a lot of examples of it just it doesn't work out. And, you know, as we as we sit here at the halfway point, 20 and 21, I mean, this might be who they are. know, regardless of who the coach is, just based on personnel, I mean, you know, maybe they are about a 500 team. You know, that they can get to 40, 41, maybe 42 wins. But in the West, I think you need to get to 47, 48 maybe even 49 to crack the top eight you know so if they don't make the playoffs i just don't know how you make ryan the full-time head coach no doubt in my mind that one day ryan will be a full-time head coach i just don't know if ryan's ready especially if they miss the playoffs if they make the playoffs all bets are off i mean congratulations maybe hand them the keys if they make the playoffs you know, maybe we'd have to evaluate how they do in the playoffs. But if they make the playoffs it would be one heck of an accomplishment. But I'm just saying I don't know if Ryan's quite ready without having been a number one assistant to be a full time head coach as soon as next year.
0: So you anticipate some bumps along the way. Or at least yeah. for this half season.
1: Yeah, I mean yeah, I mean there's going to be bumps. Yeah, I mean undoubtedly there's there's going to be bumps. You know, I mean, heck, just look at the the upcoming schedule, you know, whether it's, you know, in Utah or against San Antonio or any number of of games that could create some of those bumps, you know, or Mm -hmm. heck, another injury, God forbid, but, you know, another injury occurs. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be adversity at some point. So, yeah, you're right. I think we'll learn a lot more about Ryan once they face – Adversity and how, how does he handle that adversity. But, you know, just knowing Ryan a little bit and then talking to others the last couple of days that really know Ryan, you know, one of his best friends, Spencer Collickson, who now calls games for, for the Gophers. You know, that was that was Ryan's college roommate. You know, my former co-host, uh, sidekick, you know, <laughs> his sidekick on, on and back in the day, Chad Hartman, who called Timberwolves games for, for a long time. He used to call lacrosse Catbirds games uh, way back when, the old uh, CBA... And uh, Flip was the coach, and Chad used to go over to Flip's house for, for lasagna dinner. You know, and Ryan was one, two years old. You know, so Chad goes back to when Ryan was was an infant. You wow. know, so Chad's known him forever. And, you know, so just talking to those people, I mean, they, they all just sing his praises. I was texting with Sidney Lowe the other day, you know, and, and Sidney's got no reason to, to lie to me. He told me he loves Ryan. He thinks Ryan's going to succeed. Same with Sam Mitchell, who I texted with the other day. So, I mean, there's a lot of people. I think he's going to do well. I also know some people that think he still needs some seasoning, he still needs some time. So that's why I just say, you know, could I see a scenario? Now, now, Glenn Taylor downplayed this. He was actually doing an event last night in Des Moines with the Iowa Wolves, so he was asked about Fred Hoiberg, and publicly he downplayed, you know, the Fred stuff. You know, admitted that admitted they, that they've talked, which isn't a shock. I mean, they have a good relationship. So, of course, Glenn and Fred have talked. But I'm just saying, to me, this is a little bit more speculation. There's no steam, real steam on this right now, but, but I just think, logically speaking, can I see the scenario of Fred Hoiberg being this team's head coach with Ryan Saunders as his number one assistant? They have a good relationship. That, to me, makes a bit more sense than having Ryan as the full-time head coach starting next year.
0: Hmm. And I'm sure, Trey, you have some thoughts about Fred Hoiberg as the, the head coach.
3: Oh, yeah. Mostly negative thoughts about Fred Hoiberg being the possible head coach of this basketball team. But, Darren, first off, thank you for being on this podcast. We love having you on here. But I, I do have one question after hearing all that, that, uh, you know, this situation that's, um, you know, currently going on in Minnesota pretty much feels like a dramatic, like, e-network television show that's going on in Minnesota over the past six months, eight months. Um, and it seems that Glenn Taylor, going off of what you're saying, does want to be more personable with his coaches and or players, and it feels like, and me and Colin have talked about this in a lot of past podcasts, that Glenn Taylor is putting all of his faith and all of his marbles into Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. What are your thoughts on that moving forward, especially with the relationship with Ryan Saunders? Because it seems like they're all on board with keeping him as their head coach. And if that's the case, then it feels like Glenn Taylor uh, will automatically just extend Saunders, no matter if the season ends up being a non-playoff year or a playoff year, because he's full in on his players.
1: Yeah, I don't know about that, though, Trey. I don't know if it's automatic. You know, Ryan can be here. You know, I mean, he can still be here and still have a great relationship with the players and be the number one assistant, not necessarily have the title of of head coach. I mean, on Wiggins and Towns, I still think you can win with Carl Anthony Towns as your alpha dog. Win at a high level. You know, and and he's made some progress this year on on the defensive end, but I just think with that skill set being seven feet tall, you know, and I think he's going to get better and better. It's not like he's a finished product at what is he twenty three years old mm. on Wiggins. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> can you can you bottle up the Wiggins we've seen of late? You know, there's there's some desire questions there, some heart questions there. Uh, can he sustain it? Uh, that remains to be seen, you know, but but they're stuck. And I just think the way the the system is set up, you know, when, when they extended him, it, it wasn't the dumbest thing in the world. Like, I don't think it made a lot of sense to let an asset like that get to restricted free agency. You know, then some team, you know, like Gordon Hayward, some team signs him to – a restricted, you know, uh, free agent offer sheet, and then the Wolves match, but the terms stink. Yeah, you know, I just, uh, to me, you got to control an asset like that, you know. And he wasn't Rookie of the Year by accident, even if the competition for Rookie of the Year stunk. And you know, I, I still don't think you score all of those points, you know, even if he takes dumb shots oftentimes. I still don't think you score that many points in your first four or five years by accident, you know. So there's something there. So, you know, do I think he'll ever be a multi-time All Star? Probably not, you know. So does he hit the ceiling that we all, you know, placed on him, you know, pre-draft? Maybe not, but I still think he can help you. You know, I'm I'm in many ways a Wiggins apologist. I, I think I defend him as much as anybody. But I've come around on you know he's not going to be an alpha dog. He's not going to be your main guy. I don't even know if he can be your number two guy on a really good team. But but yeah, I mean, as long as as long as those guys are locked in for the money, they're locked in at you know, they're, they're not going anywhere, you know, I'm sure Andrew at one point would love to play in Toronto as hometown, you know, but I don't think that smart front office is, is making a move for, for Andrew anytime soon, so that might be, you know, four or five years from now, so, you know, for the foreseeable future, Andrew and Cat and are here, and they're going to be limited in terms of cap space, I know they can create some flexibility just based on, you know, if there's certain moves they want to make, but. You know, they're, they're not going to have cap space. It doesn't look like it. So, you know, they're locked in. So, you know, they need those guys to play at a really high level. And, yeah, I think Ryan can, can maybe get a little bit more out of Andrew than Tibbs did. I mean, I said it on Twitter going back weeks, Trey, that I'm curious to see Andrew under a different coach, that I thought Andrew was a pretty darn good player under Sam, you know, and under Flip. And... You know, now under Ryan, I think we'll see a different Andrew. I don't think he's going to keep playing like he did, like he did the other night in, in Oklahoma City. But I think Andrew will be a better player. I think just escaping the, the Tibbs bubble, the Tibbs system, uh, certainly there's going to be some tweaks, you know, with, with Ryan running things now. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm excited to see Andrew moving forward. Uh, but I'm just telling you, I mean, when, when talking about the future, I mean, those are your two guys. I mean, those. that's not changing. You know, uh, do I think they could trade Andrew if they wanted to? maybe a team like Sacramento you know, might have some interest, but you're not giving them away. You're not trading him for Justin Jackson, I'm on Shumpert, and Zach Randolph. You're just not doing that. You're just not. So, I mean, Wiggins is here, you know? So, you know, they better find a way to to get as much out of him
0: as they can. Are you saying we don't want i on Shumpert on the Timberwolves? Are you, are you, are you crazy? What, what's going on? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we're, we're going to take a quick break for some sponsors, and then we're going to dive into what the Timberwolves are doing on the court. First,
2: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Darren Wilson of KSTP. We have Trey Flynn both calling in on the line. And this is the Locked On Wolves podcast. We've been talking about the Timberwolves coaching situation, Tibbs and Ryan Saunders, and the, the differences in coaching styles, maybe how that's going to be good for a lot of the players to get that fresh coaching take on their play on the court now let's talk about what the Timberwolves have been doing on the court they're on a three-game win streak and while they have been playing some bad teams they've blown out the bad teams and the Thunder a good team they were able to get a solid win against hold strong against them in a, a high scoring affair the other night Darren what have you thought of the Timberwolves right now I know that When you switch coaches, there can be a little bit of a juice amongst the players. You can go on a little bit of a hot streak for a week or so. But before that even, they were starting to look like they were piecing some things together despite injuries on this team. Is this finally where we see maybe a slight turnaround? I don't want to get ahead of my skis here, but maybe a little bit of a turnaround for the Timberwolves that they're putting this together with this phenomenal Towns run? Or is this just a flash again?
1: Well, you know what, Colton? is it is it okay to say that the answer is probably somewhere in the middle i mean i think it might be a little bit more than a flash you know but can they can they get to the 47 48 wins i just i think who they are right now is who they'll be at the end of the year that they're about a 500 team so we're through 41 they're 20 and 21 I can see them finishing with 41, 42 wins. Yeah, I think that's about who they are, you know? Maybe if they were in the Eastern Conference, you know, Glenn tried many, many years ago to get them in the East, uh, but that's not happening anytime soon. Maybe if they were in the East, you know, maybe they'd have a few more wins, you know, from a talent standpoint. You know, they might have, you know, the, I don't know, the 14th or 15th best roster in the league, you know, whatever it might be. You know, you, you have the top four or five in the East and, you know, whatever it is in the West, uh, they might be that high, you know. But looking at the West, I mean, heck, I'm looking at the standings right now. I mean, boy, I mean, the standings are just so bunched together. But, I mean, they're currently in 9, 10, 11. I mean, they're in the 11th place right now. I guess tied for 10th for with Sacramento, you know. And, and I don't know if any of these teams are going to drop off. I mean, at some point, LeBron James will come back for the Lakers. You know, so they're going to start winning more games. You know, I know the Spurs lost last night to Memphis. You know, my buddy J.B. Bickerstaff's the coach in Memphis, and, and I know he really likes that roster. It still feels like, you know, even with some of the turmoil of late, that those guys are going to continue to play hard. You know, so I don't think Memphis is going to drop off. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe Dallas drops off. You know, I don't think Sacramento's going to necessarily drop off. Utah's definitely not going to drop off. I mean, I'm just looking at the landscape of the West, you know, the top eight right now. Do any of those teams drop out? I don't necessarily think so. You know, then you look at nine Utah. 10 Sacramento, you know, 12 New Orleans. New Orleans could drop off. And I don't think Memphis is making the playoffs, but I'm just saying I think they're going to be in it until the end. You know, so mm-hmm. I think best-case scenario for the Wolves is hopefully those final eight to ten games of the year, they're playing meaningful games. The games have true meaning, mm-hmm. you know, that they have a chance. You know, if they can somehow, you know, finish eight and two over their final ten or something like that and get some help, you know, some other teams losing. But, unfortunately, a lot of these West teams will be playing each other you know, so one team has to win, you know, but that to me would be best case scenario that, that those final 10 games of the year have real meaning that they're, that they're competing for a playoff spot, you mm-hmm. know, but if they miss, I mean, that, that's where it stinks. Like being stuck in middle purgatory, at least for me, is rock bottom, but like I'd rather hit the real rock bottom and have a chance to, to really land a Zion Williamson, for example, or Jay Barrett, or whatever prospect you've, you've keyed in. on. I love the point guard from, from Murray State, who doesn't get a lot of love. Particularly Zion Williamson, right? I mean, I think everybody feels like Zion Williamson is going to be a multi-time all-star. So, like, I'd love to be in a position to, to have, like, a realistic chance at Zion. But the Wolves are too good for that. Like, that's that's not realistic. You know, but I just, I, I hate the idea of them finishing, you know, in 10th place in the West and they end up with pick 13, you know, week draft in June, in uh, June, you know. But I think that's probably the path that they're headed down, that, that they're going to be right there until the end competing for a playoff spot, but may end up just missing, just barely. You know, then they end up with the 13th or 14th pick in the draft. So that, that's how I see things shaking out. So I think it's more than a flash, you know, now. Heck, Orlando stinks. You know, I watched Orlando blow a game last night to Utah. Orlando's horrible. You know, If you look at Friday, whatever, and I know it was a great comeback, but to me, Orlando at home, you're supposed to win that game. The Lakers minus LeBron, Rondo, Kuzma. Uh, and Kuzma looked really good last night against Detroit. You know, So the Lakers absolutely missed Kuzma. They missed all those guys. Clearly the greatest player on the planet, LeBron. Uh-huh. You know, so you know, you beat the Lakers, the lowly Lakers. When when they're down, those guys to me, they are the lowly Lakers. Those three guys. Uh, you know, eh, blah. You know, Tuesday was great. Yeah, I mean, winning in Oklahoma City, and Oklahoma City was was well rested. You know, they hadn't traveled. Uh, they had lost that previous home game to Washington, so you figured they'd come out firing at all cylinders and. Way to win that game! I mean, that was that was a great win. I mean, heck, maybe that was their best win of the year. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you might be able to make case that's their best win of the year, one of their best wins of the year. Maybe maybe that early season win against LeBron and the Lakers when Jimmy Butler had a really good game, or you know, maybe the Derrick Rose fifty point game you know, when you beat Utah at home. But you know, you make case the Tuesday win was their best win of the year. You know, so I, I want to say just because of that win coming off that significant win, it's more than a flash, Colton. Uh, but I just don't know if they can fully sustain it over the rest of the season.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, it does seem to be that they have found themselves in that worst of positions where you're you're just on the outside of the playoffs and you're pretty far away from those lottery picks that really change your franchise, and so. It's going, it, it seems like it almost is going to come down to a trade, whether they're going to get another player or get a high draft pick in a trade. It seems to be that's almost the way out of this because the, the roster construct right now doesn't seem to, to yield a spot where they can get into that top six spot on the West.
1: Well, and I find the the trade deadline, which is fast approaching here, I mean, less than a month away, well, hey, what is it, February 7th, February 8th? Seven. February 7th, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I find it fascinating because if you're Scott late, I mean, you have the keys, but like is Scott thinking short-term or long-term? Because you make a case that Scott is dead man walking, you know? So mm-hmm. if, if some team presents a good offer for Taj Gibson, or forget even good, just some sort of offer where you think, you know, we're not signing Taj in July, let's get something for him. Uh, if some team makes an offer, you know, does Scott say no? <laughs> you know, I'm going to keep Taj hoping that we can make the playoffs that somehow I can keep my job heading into next year. You know, so to me, this, this, the trade deadline is is super fascinating. I, I don't know how active they'll be. They're not real active right now. I mean, like, like, all GM's late and is on the phone, so he's talking to teams, but I don't get the sense they're far down the road on, on any particular deal. You know, I know that, that there's a bunch of teams that have interest in Anthony Tolliver, but the Wolves have... I've shown zero interest in, in moving Anthony, but I just I find the trade deadline really really fascinating with this team.
0: Trey, what are your thoughts on the trade deadline and some pieces to move?
1: Well, it's coming
3: up fairly closely. I mean, February seventh is um, you know not that far away, and it's just I think you know the NBA Twitter has been talking a lot about this from Minnesota firing their head coach and who's also their basketball you know president of basketball operations. Um, that had such a high duty with GM Scott Layden to make moves, kind of put the Timberwolves, um, you know, in the back seat during the trade deadline or coming up to it. It doesn't really help us too much that Scott Layden may have the keys because he might be thinking, as Darren put it, uh, in the short term, when moving a guy like Taj Gibson who's making fourteen million dollars this year for just a couple of second round picks would be a good move to a contender. Like that, that makes sense, especially when you have players like Dario Sarge, who just acquired, who's a young guy who should be probably in the starting lineup. And then a guy like Anthony Tolliver who's on a small deal who can easily come off the bench and play the 4-3, even in 5 at times. So there's definitely moves to make. And I've been on this, you know, Jeff Teague tirade for too long with Colton. We've had our arguments <laughs> about Jeff Teague or trading Andrew Wiggins to help the Wolves in the long term. But um, if I'm being realistic, the, the two guys I can see possibly being moved toward the deadline if we're not going to end up sitting in basketball purgatory and we want to fight for a playoff spot will be either Taj Gibson or the point guard moves, which would be either trading Jeff Teague or Tyus
1: Jones. What are your thoughts, Darren? Yeah, I don't think Tyus is going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I I don't. Uh, You know, we know that the Suns like him, and in the past, I know the Pelicans have liked him, the Kings have liked him, Philadelphia's liked him, but I I don't think Tyus is going anywhere. I think that's where Glenn would would butt in, and certainly Ryan has a real healthy opinion of Tyus. So I I think with Ryan's voice now being that much louder you know, as the head coach, you know, and having the year of, of Glenn Taylor, I'd be surprised on, on Tyus. I mean, I guess Derek Rose is a fascinating case study. You know, he's got no-trade power, you know, but would he waive the no-trade power if if a playoff contender? You know, I mean, hypothetically, I mean, there, there's nothing going on on this front, so this is pure speculation, but let's say Chris Paul is out an extended time and Houston is, is making an offer for Derek Rose, you know, would... You know, would he think about waiving his, his no-trade rights? You know, I don't even know if Houston would want Rose if he fits in. He probably didn't even fit with James Harden. But, that, you know, if some team, some contender that needs a point guard you know, makes the call with Derek, think about that. But I asked him that the other day, and he flat-out said he, he wants to finish the year here, and he really likes it here and likes to stay here long-term. And this was after, you know, the fiery of his guy, Tom Thibodeau on Teague. I just don't know who's taking him. because I, I was talking to Bobby Marks the other day on my podcast, uh, the former Nets assistant GM who does great work for ESPN, and, and he made the point, and I think he's spot on, that Jeff's not getting $19 million anywhere else. You know, so mm-hmm. like, how do you turn down $19 million for next year? So then what team is, is taking on that contract? Like before he committed to the Wolves, I know the Kings had some interest, but the Kings are settled now at point guard. The Nuggets had interest, but I don't think the Nuggets need a point guard. Uh, the Pacers had interest. I don't know. Would the Pacers have interest in a reunion? I don't know. I mean, it seems like Oladipo's got the ball more and more now. So I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't necessarily see a fit. I know that some random Twitter feed tossed out the Raptors. I don't know. I, I don't necessarily see the fit there with with Toronto. And I can't say me personally that that I've heard any steam about the Raptors having interest. So maybe something comes to fruition in terms of talks, you know, as we get closer to February 7th. But right now, I mean, I I don't know. I I don't necessarily see anything. I mean, maybe it would be Tolliver, you know, just based on the Pistons and the Lakers and the Sixers. I know those three teams, the Rockets, those four, have interest in Tolliver that maybe they can get a decent offer for him, that they know that they're not going to resign him. You know, he can help you, and I like Anthony. Uh, You know, but he's still, this team's what, ninth man? At times, tense, man, you know, when when everybody's healthy, you know. So maybe if you can get something for Tolliver, maybe that would be the guy to keep an eye on.
0: Yeah, the the trade deadline for sure, whatever piece you're looking at, that could be kind of a big move for the Timberwolves, not only for this season but going forward. So uh, the trade deadline is uber important this year for the Timberwolves in both those aspects. We're going to take another break for sponsors, then we're going to look back and look forward at the Timberwolves season. First, some sponsors.
2: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Here are Darren Wolfson, Trey Flynn, Colt Molesky. We are talking about the Timberwolves, and we are at the halfway mark officially. We are 41 games through. And so, Trey, Darren, I'm going to ask both of you guys this. Darren, we'll go to you first. What do you make of the first half of the Timberwolves season? We kind of touched on this earlier in the episode. What do you make of the first half of the Timberwolves season, and where, where can they grow from first half to second half? Realistically, where is the growth that they can, they can make strides in in the second half?
1: Well, the way I look at the first half, Dominated more so by by the off the court stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know that that you know all of us as basketball junkies we like to focus on the on the court, but you think about the Jimmy Butler circus fiasco, you know, then the trade of Jimmy Butler, then the firing of Tom Thibodeau, you know, it's been a lot of off the court stuff. Uh, and then moving forward, I mean, you know, hopefully that that. They can play at a faster pace. I mean, it's easier said than done, but Ryan wants to play at a faster pace. So let's see them with the athletes they have. It makes logical sense. I think a lot of us have talked about that going back over a year. And it would be nice if they played at a faster pace. So hopefully we see them playing at a faster pace. Hopefully we see them make some tweaks to defend the three-point line a bit better. And, you know, go from there. You know, so I'm curious. I mean, it's going to be a fun second half. I mean, no doubt in my mind. I'm just telling you, I mean, I just, if I had to bet, i I think they'll play some meaningful games. You know, I think Game 77 will mean something. Game 79 will even mean something. Yeah. You know, but do I think by Games 81 and 82, those games will have significant meaning? I lean no. I just, it's not necessarily an indictment on them.
0: What say you, Trey?
3: I'm sort of along the same lines with Darren. I think that I'm more leaning towards Minnesota not making the playoffs this year, mostly just because – and it's not because Jimmy Butler's not on this team, not just because of that um, alone. It's mostly because of how great the Western Conference is, like Darren was saying. Um, and I think the most important thing to watch out for in these next 41 games isn't just, you know, Carlton Towns coming into himself and being a superstar that we all know he's going to be or is right now. It's not just going to be about Ryan Saunders doing very well as the interim head coach or not doing very well in the future. I think it's going to be whether this team wants to sit in basketball purgatory for the next few years under the contracts of Towns and Wiggins and if Wiggins plays, you know, somewhat like he did against Oklahoma City for the next, you know, forty-one games, let's just say he does, then Minnesota should definitely be looking for the future in the near future and see how they want to, you know, go forward, moving forward with this. Because LeBron's in the West to stay. I can't see Kevin Durant leaving the Western Conference. That means this minute, this uh, Western Conference is going to be very, very tough to make the playoffs for the next four to five years. And if Minnesota wants to make a move for Andrew Wiggins after a very nice second half to this season. Uh, maybe sending him elsewhere and getting a solid package this summer. That might not be the worst idea in the world. And I don't mean to, you know, harp on the trades all the time. And I don't want to be that guy who's just trying to make, you know, video game moves, essentially. But Minnesota is going to be capped out for the next few years. And they can rely on Robert Covington, Darius Sarge as their third and fourth best players all they want over the next few years. But I don't know if that is going to solidify a playoff team. And I'm not sure that's the right move moving forward. So I would watch out to see how well Andrew Wiggins does in the second half of the year, and how much he helps his trade value, and how much he hurts it, and how well this team plays with him on the court.
1: Yeah, well, I'm tempted to say. I mean, if if we see a pretty good Wiggins these final 41 games, I'm tempted just to ride the train. <laughs> you know, that, that <sighs> at that point you just keep him because I don't know. I mean, what sort of offer do you get for him? I mean, I guess it would be better than that you know, speculated King's offer, uh, but I, I'd be tempted, I'm just telling you, I'd be tempted to keep Wiggins, and I don't know, I mean, moving forward, I, I don't know, I mean, because at some point, you're right, they probably need a, a third guy that can really be a, a second guy, uh, you know, so how do you how do you acquire that guy, you because know, it looks like they'll probably be too good to really hit rock bottom, you know, with Covington, with Sarich, you know, with Cat. I don't know if, if they'll be quite bad enough to, to be in a position to, to land a, a top three, top five pick. Uh, but I get what you're saying. But I'm just saying, if, if we can see pretty good Wiggins, and we all understand, we're not going to see the Wiggins that we saw the other night. But if you can get to the free throw line like eight times a game, I mean, you forget 18. But I saw somebody tweet the other day that in the month of November, what, did he average 1.9 free throw attempts a game?
0: Yeah. yeah. As far as the rest of the team, too, for me at least, going into the going into the second half of this season, I would really love to see a few games where Dario arch starts and where they're switching up the lineup a little bit, seeing what they can do with him just versatility-wise. I would love to see some of that. And I would love to see Towns stay on this tear. I think that we talked about this earlier. They really have put all their chips to backing Towns, behind Towns it would be awesome if you responded with just an insane second half and keep this going, show that we've seen flashes of this superstar player show that you're a superstar player because of consistency now not just because you know you have the tools to do that, get there every single night and that's what I would really love to see from Towns in the second half of this season because I think if you show those two things then you are making the, the 77th, 78th games of the season matter because you will still be in the hunt for a playoff spot, and that that's what it really takes, and I think that's what it comes down to is Towns and his play. Yeah,
1: and you know what, I mean, I don't know, is there anything to suggest that he can't sustain this level? I mean, he's as engaged as he's ever been on the defensive end, you know, so I don't know what the block numbers are, but he can continue to block shots, you know, and in terms of, of scoring, I mean, I, I think he can get 23 to 27 whenever he wants, if not more than that, you know, sometimes it's shot selection. You know, I like him getting the ball in the paint the as much as possible. I know, you know, when when you can make threes and you're seven feet tall, and you can draw a defender out. That's great. And I'm not anti him taking threes, but I just I really like him on the low block initiating the offense. You know, so in terms of assist numbers, because he's a good passer. You know, uh, those are things I'd like to see. But you know, as long as he's taking smart shots. Yeah, I mean, I think he can I think he can come close to sustaining this level of play. Yeah, I man, I don't know if he can quite match the numbers we've seen the last seven or eight games. What is it, like nearly, what, 20, 29 points and double-digit yep. rebounds and what is it, five assists and like two-and-a-half, three blocks and you know, one or two steals. I don't know if he can quite match those levels, but I think he can be pretty darn good. And let's also keep in mind, he's got a financial incentive the rest of the way, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, exactly. Based on his extension,
1: I mean, he wants to be all NBA so we can get the 190 million. You know, not that you know we need to shed any tears if if he only ends up with 158 or 59 million. But there's many millions of dollars at stake for Cat the rest of the season. So trust me, he's he's plenty motivated
2: to keep playing at this level. I
0: love it. Thank you so much, Darren. We we have been running uh, quite a bit of time here, so I'm going to let you go. But thank you so much again for coming on. Uh, Trey Fling, Colt Molesky here as well. Make sure you're checking out Darren and his work on the Wolves at KSTP ABC 5. Again, can't thank you enough for joining the show, Darren.
3: Appreciate it, Colton. Appreciate it, Trey. Thanks, Darren. Thanks, Appreciate it. And check out his uh, podcast with students.
0: And that is it for us. This has been the Locked On Wolves Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
2: You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast